This is the primal scream of a dying regime. Pray for our enemies, because we're going medieval on these people. You're just not got a free shot on all these networks lying about the people. The people have had a belly full of it. I know you don't like hearing that. I know you try to do everything in the world to stop that, but you're not going to stop it. It's going to happen. And where do people like that go to share the big lie? MAGA media. I wish in my soul, I wish that any of these people had a conscience. Ask yourself, what is my task and what is my purpose? If that answer is to save my country, this country will be saved. War Room. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. India has taken a massive leap towards financial inclusion. The maximum benefit of this has reached our women in rural India. Today, with one click, millions of people in India get direct benefit transfers. So far, more than $360 billion of such transfers have been made. This has increased transparency in service delivery and reduced corruption and middlemen. India has the cheapest per gigabyte cost. Today, in India, from street vendors to large shopping malls, all use UPI, that is, the Unified Payments Interface. Today, India is the country with the highest number of digital transactions in the world. Countries like UAE, Singapore, France are also joining this platform. There are several possibilities of working on this with BRICS countries also. The large-scale investment being done on infrastructure. Let me have it. Okay, it is... Um Tuesday, 22 August, the year of our Lord, 2023. The future is staring you in the face right now. It's in Durban, South Africa. It's the it's the it's the movement in the meetings that the mainstream media does not want to cover because it stands as a total rejection to how the uh, elitist, how the uniparty, the oligarchs on Wall Street and in Silicon Valley have tried to run things. They've tried to crush MAGA. They try to crush working class people in this country. And the third in this third world movement, the global south movement, considering the BRICS, are uh, not going to put up with it. And remember, there are many more of our enemies of the Judeo Christian West and particularly the United States in that crowd than there are allies. But even the allies are a little shaky. And right now, <clears throat> if you think about it, this is the shape. This is what your betters have done, your betters, the, the, the Council on Foreign Relations and the Tufts School of Law and Diplomacy and Harvard and Yale and all those guys, State Department, all of them, you know, the, the cocktail parties in the Hamptons and the Upper East Side where they're mocking and ridiculing you because they know how to run the world. All the hedge fund guys, Ackman, all of them. The only way out of this situation now, because they're thinking about, you know, alternative currencies, get post Bretton Woods, all of it. Remember, where do, if India is to align with China, if they start to really form an alliance and they're mortal enemies, but if they do, then it could be game over. Think about it for a second. The United States of America, 
is totally and completely dependent on which way India is going to go. And I think the world of Modi is one of the great nationalists. But should we ever be in a situation? Who put us in the situation that our entire our entire strategy in the Pacific and about the Eurasian landmass uh, and now on world economics and finance, the linchpin's India. If India announces some big deal with Xi, if Modi's rubbing up on Xi and hugging on Xi and, yeah, we're going to do something, a uh, world market is going to react. But that's the jam. You should never put yourself into a situation where you're jammed up like that. That's what the regime in the United States has done. That's what they that's that's the primrose path they led you down to. In the second hour, we're going to get into it with Dr. Bradley Thayer and Ben Harnwell is going to join me from Rome about how they've led the Ukrainian people down the primrose path. And now you're seeing all the reporting from, as Ben Harnwell calls it, the Langley Bugle, heretofore referred to as the Washington Post. They're leaking like crazy about the meetings and everybody's upset and there's finger pointing. And gosh, how did this happen? And how did, the, how did Zelensky let us down? It's all coming home to roost right there. And I'm going to connect. Um, and this is why I get paid the big bucks. Modi's speech there about the, the universal processing payment system. This is not just about the Federal Reserve and the dollars, not just about the SWIFT system, which is about the international transfers. This is now about the digitalization of all this. And you got the, you got our the central bankers are meeting in, in Jackson Hole in a couple of days. We're going to cover that wall to wall, too. And guess what? One of the things they're talking about is the central bank digital currency. So Modi's sitting there. You're seeing the future because the global south is 80% of the people. When you consider this BRICS, they got 60 nations showed up. used to be five. Got 60 showed up. They all want in. And just wait till the Saudis ask for membership. And you are good buddies of the UAE, Mohammed bin Zayed, who's probably Mohammed bin Zayed is probably the best ally we've got in the, in, in the Gulf Emirates and in, 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 uh, in the Middle East, except for maybe Israel. And he's he just crossed a trade with Modi on the eve. There's a million barrels of oil in rupees. He took rupees. Let me repeat that. He took rupees, not petrodollars. The rear is in dangerous times. The elites in this country, if you're going to if you're going to be a rent seeker, if you're going to be something like this, you have to be you, you have to have something that value that you're adding. Where's the value? Where's the beef? Help me out here. What have you done for folks? If you're going to be elites and take 90% of the assets and, and, and be billionaires and just jet around and, 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 and play footsie with their enemies, you should be delivering some value. Where's the value? Now we're jammed up on every front, and they won't cover it. They know this thing to the regime, to the oligarchs, to CNBC, and to, to MSNBC and to CNN is so humiliating. You don't see this playing wall to wall, which this is the most important thing. This is far more important than the Keebler elves tomorrow night. The Keebler elves are just one thing. That's just Murdoch's. That's just more non-Americans, right? That's just their, their play to thwart the populist movement of Trump. So all it's nonstop, constantly, you know, what the, and the thing, is he going to say this? Is that, who cares? Please stop. That's all the Murdoch's play. It's irrelevant, except for the fact it's the blunt Trump. That's why we're not going to give it any oxygen. If you watch or your friends watch Fox tomorrow night, you're part of the problem. You've got to cut the Murdoch's only respond to a fist in the mouth. You have to give it to them financially. That's all they understand. The only way to do it is click it off. If you keep it on, 
their lesson is, okay, we can we can roll Trump. Think what's going to happen in the next couple of days here. The trap set in uh, in 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 Milwaukee, where they won't even allow in uh, the Trump surrogates to the to the fourth indictment, the fourth indictment in uh, now in Georgia. Trump's up to what, 90 and 700 years. Let's go 100. I'm, I bid 100 and 1000. Let's just do that. Let's round up. Let's just round up. Every aspect of it. It's, the reason is to come after you. I want to go to Joe Allen. Uh, Joe, um, uh, I want to talk about this Politico story because you're seeing and you're seeing this one of the big, just like in Davos, this is the second big kind of joint meeting you've had. And the side breakouts are all about artificial intelligence and how that can drive the global south to, to fight the G7 and particularly the oligarchs in the United States. Walk me through. There, there's an argument out there now that the, the artificial intelligence is so out of control, the horses out of the barn, between the weapons labs and particularly Silicon Valley, you got a trillion dollars of capital pouring in here now. Every guy that walks around says AI is going to get funded from a VC. That they're making an argument that we got to nationalize this. This is national defense, national security, and you got to nationalize it right away. Walk me through the bid and the ask on uh, the situation with artificial intelligence. Well, Steve, I would say that the most coherent argument put forward for it uh, just came out in Politico. That's Charles Jennings. Jennings worked on AI vision systems. And he notes in the article that uh, one of the things that his company discovered and pretty much any AI company with advanced AI is faced with is that it's inherently unknowable. The process by which the AI comes to the conclusions it does is just simply not knowable. There are too many working parts and attempts to audit it uh, so far uh, have, have failed. It's called, you know, the black box problem is what it's known as. And, uh, you know, people like Sundar Pinchai say, oh, well, you, you can't understand fully what's going on inside of a human brain, so it's the same thing. Well, what we're talking about, though, is artificial minds being disseminated everywhere. So Jennings points to that as a major problem when you're trying to predict what an AI will do, which brings to the second problem. AI... But, but, but hang on. But, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hang on, yes. hang on, hang on, hang on. Let's, let's not bounce off the first. On the first, he uses an illustration when they were originally doing AI... And they had, I don't know, tens of thousands of photos to do photo recognition. And he has, I think the guy he was working with has a child uh, that has Down syndrome. And so there's no direct linkage to, to what the father looked like. And yet they're sitting there one night in the, in the AI, the machines working, and they directly compare the father to the child. And it's so shocking because it had, you know, billions of permutations. And they picked it out and the guy goes, how did that happen? Ask the actual one of the programs. How did that possibly happen? There's no direct anywhere that you could see on a facial recognition that could possibly happen. And the guy goes, well, that happens. All. We don't really know. This is the scary thing. The people that actually are the inventors here in the they have this thing in 60 minutes brought it out. The machine itself sometimes starts thinking or starts doing things in the creators, not the users. The creators sit there and go, yeah, I don't really know. Uh, I would strongly recommend that's not a that's not an appropriate response when you're talking about what these machines can do at this scale. Isn't that the problem that the people in back of it itself will oftentimes say, I don't really know how they did that. I, I can't. Uh, that's not really could be computational. I don't know how that happened. Joe Allen. 
Yes, any of the really advanced systems, something like GPT, for instance, uh, you know, it has there's different ways to count it. 280 billion parameters going eight ways, so it's like uh, eight different brains working all at once. They have no way to know why it set, you know writes a bad poem, why it accurately describes the uh, say the civil war in the United States. They have no way to know it. There's just too much going on inside of it. People propose, well, maybe we'll make an AI to understand the AI. That's yet to materialize, uh, but. It really at the, at the core of that, Steve, is that if you don't know how it works, you don't necessarily know what it's going to do. Uh, it's very the more advanced systems are very unpredictable. The, you know, something we've tried to drive home. People think of AI as just simply being programmed or they think of it as in terms of a linear sequence, you know, an algorithm that can be easily audited. Uh, a, a really good AI system, kind of the, the place where it goes from algorithm to AI Part of that is the indeterminacy of the system. It, you don't really know what the output is going to be, and you can run the same program again and again, train on the same data sets, and the same program will come out with different answers. Uh, it, it is, in that sense, much like uh, a human brain. And as these technologies advance, especially the wide array of, of technologies, uh, they're, they're seeping into public life, economic life, educational systems, uh, finance, and of course the military. Uh, in the quick moment, if we could just give the, the audience a, a, a quick glance at this, this chart, um, it was put out, this, uh, this study, it's the second chart, uh, Denver. This study was assembled uh, by Contextual AI. They're an AI company. Uh, and uh, it, you can see here the various lines kind of converging on um, uh, superhuman or at least human level abilities. So on the far left of the graph, uh, it begins in 1998. That's really where a lot of this started uh, amping up. And on the far right, you see 2022. And at the bottom is just, you know, really stupid. And at the top is 100% uh, human performance level. So you can see it begins really with the studies on handwriting recognition, um, speech recognition, and then moves very rapidly. You can see kind of the takeoff of programs like GPT and others where you get uh, rapid image recognition, language recognition, reading comprehension. Uh, th there's one in there about common sense. I would definitely argue that that's not uh, accurate. And then at the very end, you see code generation, AI writing its own code. Now, you could quibble with these numbers. It is somewhat subjective, but without a doubt, these yeah. systems, how, they basically replicate human cognitive modules, and yeah. they are becoming, in some cases, undeniably superhuman. Joe, yeah, Joe, just hang here for one second. We're going to return with the nationalization of artificial intelligence next in the war room. We will fight till they're all gone. We rejoice when there's no more. As central banks and countries like China, India, Australia begin transitioning to a digital currency, the Federal Reserve has been contemplating the same for the United States of America. With a digital currency, the government could track every single purchase you make. Officials could even prohibit you from purchasing certain products or even easily freeze or seize part or all of your money. These are some of the reasons concerned Americans reach out to Birch Gold Group. They want to have a physical asset that's independent from the U.S. dollar. Gold held tax sheltered in a retirement account. Remember, gold held in your tax sheltered retirement account. Learn if gold is right for you. Text Bannon, B-A-N-N-O-N, two nine eight nine eight nine eight. That's Bannon, nine eight nine eight nine eight. 
and Birch Gold will send you a free information kit today. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, thousands of happy customers, countless five-star reviews, Birch Gold has been helping my listeners and viewers from the very beginning of the show. Text Bannon, B-A-N-N-O-N, to 989898 and claim your free info kit on gold because of a central bank digital currency becomes reality. It'll be nice to have some gold to depend on. Take action. Use your agency. Do it today. War Room. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Okay, this topic, I, w- I want to give people, we want to get this on your radar early. As we told you over a year ago that uh, the singularity, transhumanism, and uh, artificial intelligence are going to be a major part of the 2024 campaign. And it's not what they're t- they're saying. Oh, because they're going to have deep fakes and all this stuff. No, that's going to be a tiny part of it. Just like the education, what's happening at ChatGPT is a tiny part of a cultural and societal revolution that's going on as they move to enhance Homo Sapien 2.0 or Homo Sapien 1.25. Okay, uh, this is going to be the biggest, most profound, and most difficult to deal with topic of the age. Uh, and, and, and nationalization is done to be on the table. And people say, well, Steve, the administrative state and the deep state controls the apparatus now. How are you going to let them nationalize this? Well, that's why we got to take over the first order of business. We must win at the polls, and then we've got to hammer and deconstruct the administrative state and c- completely destroy the deep state. Because right now, I'll let... Joe continued this argument in Politico, and I want to get it up if, if Captain Bannon and Grace can put it up. So I want everybody to read this article, and everybody's not going to agree with this thing. But my point is, is that there's so much going on in all these other aspects, and we have no earthly idea what's going on. And when these, things bom- when these bombs drop, they're going to be too difficult to deal with as they come. Joe Allen, press on, brother. Yes, yeah, Steve, at the heart of this is the, the awareness that these technologies are ramping up. You don't have to believe in the sort of fairy tale-ish, you know, superhuman Terminator AI or something like the movie Her, where you have an intelligent system that's benevolent. You just have to understand that, much like cognitive scientists over the last century have identified the different sort of cognitive modules that make up the human brain's behavior – language recognition, visual recognition, they now have software that is capable of replicating that. And it's in some instances at superhuman levels. Um, If Denver would throw up that uh, number two one more time and just uh, look at it really closely, uh, the, the, the really important element here is that these systems have basically reached human parity. Uh, And when you talk about say speech recognition, you can see that really taking off 2011, 2012, that's used oftentimes for surveillance. That's used for if you're interacting with a bot on the phone, uh, whatever. It's, it's the ability to simply understand what you're saying, flag you as a domestic terrorist, or flag you as a, a discontent customer. Um, then you have image recognition. I think a really good example that would probably hit home with the audience, Clearview AI uh, scrapes over some billion odd uh, photographs and is able to identify a human face, oftentimes from a pretty poor image quality, 
from a, a, you know an endless number of images. Well, Clearview AI, of course, was employed by law enforcement in the aftermath of the um, J6 protests and was used to track down J6 protesters. That's just one of many, many instances in which the, the security apparatus is using AI to uh, it basically pick out faces that no human being would be able to locate. And, uh, you know, language understanding, language comprehension, uh, that's that really is kind of a subjective thing. But without a doubt, in, in just as the tests stand now, when GPT-4 aced the uh, GRE verbal, it really was a milestone for these systems. You could say, oh, well, the tests are dumbed down. It really doesn't matter. These are the tests that are being employed. That's how students are being selected. And so under the system that we live right now, these machines are becoming more and more, uh, for lack of a better words, uh, uh, competent. And so when Charles Jennings is arguing for the nationalization of AI, what he's saying is you have these extremely powerful technologies that by and large are either in the control of corporations, and that would be Google, Microsoft, uh, Tesla, Twitter, and the oligarchs are pretty much only accountable to their shareholders and their customers to the extent that their customers can even get away from them. Uh, then you have the option of, uh, you, he points out the, the kind of Chinese model in which the communist state pretty much has complete control over the corporations producing these things. And he argues that you don't want America to fall into anything quite like that. And you definitely don't want uh, the American government to shut down big tech here and then allow China to rocket forward with all of this. Then you end up with a, a planet dominated by a kind of a cyborg CCP. That's his argument, uh, my words. And um, so his, his, the option he puts forward is something like the uh, Atomic Energy Commission uh, instituted by Truman. And it, you know, it's a civilian-led commission. And it, for AI, it would be basically the, same. the model that he's going with, what he calls the Humane AI Commission, would be uh, citizen-led and, in theory, be accountable to the yeah. public. So that literally— Watch, this, w w watch, uh, watch Oppenheimer. You'll see how that turned out. Right. <laughs> um, no, it's it's an alternative. I want to go. We need everybody in this vanguard, in this um, cadre to be the uh, to fully understand what's going on here. And that's why Dark Aeon, this book, and it is a tour de force. Um, Joe, you've done a magnificent job and our partners at Skyhorse that this is War Room Press had put together. It is a just the, the book itself is magnificent the way it's put together. But the writing and the book, the, the content of the book is absolutely incredible. Everybody needs to be up to speed on this. They, they, they talk about replacement theory. There's not a replacement of any ethnicity, of any racial group, of, you know, they talk about the invasion on the southern border. The, hey, that, that's the replacement theory is the replacement of homo sapiens, of, of, of man with uh, something that's homo sapien plus. Right. And that is not going to be a good thing. It's they're not out. You said that they're that the oligarchs are beholden to their shareholders, and the customers. I would say their shareholders are totally giving them a blank check. Do what you got to do. Do what you want to do. And uh, and the customers kind of just underwrite their, uh, their their efforts right now. It's being underwritten by the taxpayers, the people in this room. So that's why, uh, Joe, tell us we go to Amazon right now because we want this book to be. Uh, high on the New York Times bestseller list. You saw where the Tucker book they screwed. They're going to try to screw Joe Allen, too. But we got to put forward the old college try. Dark Aeon 
Uh, it's magnificent. Joe, uh, give us a minute on this book, why people should read it. The three elements that are relevant to this and, and all the technologies we've been talking about for two and a half years. First, uh, you're talking about the technologies themselves. How far have they actually advanced? How far can you expect them to advance from there? Second question being much more difficult to answer. But it, it, without a doubt, the readers will have a very clear sense, especially about where AI is, how AI works, and how genetic engineering and, and even sort of eugenic processes are being used right now. The other element, though, is the the, the belief system uh, underpinning all of this, the, the futurist belief system, which really does, in a, in a superficial way, it takes on these religious qualities, religious prophecy. And in many cases, these guys are actually, you know, speaking of these technologies in their future in religious terms, in terms of human salvation or human damnation, human destruction really, really important to understand where these technologies go as they advance to see the belief system that the technologies are being attached to. The last element really is just how do you approach this? What do you do in the face of what is ultimately a sort of psychotic behavior on the part of our elites? And then a, a, a psychosis, a mass social psychosis, mass formation psychosis, perhaps you could say as a hat tip. But uh, the, the, as you see both the elites and the populace really being uh, kind of taken over by a mind virus, we'll call it here transhumanism, how do you approach the world and survive it? So, you know, like you see, I'm, I'm, I'm quite skeptical of the idea of nationalizing it. I'm skeptical of it being in the hands of big tech. Uh, I mean, I'm skeptical, certainly, of it being in the hands directly of our government. So if there aren't any solutions like that to present, then I really think that the best thing is to understand the map and be able to go into this wilderness armed and ready to fight. By the way, we have to be armed. You have to be ready. You have to understand this. And this book is a start. You said the subtitle is Transhumanism and the War Against Humanity. Give me a, a what do you mean the war against humanity from the transhumanists? What do you mean by that? Well, so it's, in some instances, we're talking about an actual the creation of technologies which are believed to be a threat to the human race, to our existence. I mean, there are many camps in which they admit that they believe that the AI and all of the other infrastructure the AI could control will actually go on to kill human beings, some portion of us or all of us. Uh, you know, the most interesting figure we've covered before and I focus on quite a bit is Hugo de Garris. He himself programmed uh, artificial neural networks. He made robots in China. He's a very intelligent, if crazy, person. And it, his viewpoint is that these machines do pose an existential risk. But there is, you know, a camp that just sees it, the creation of a godlike AI as a religious imperative. And, and so that's one element, the idea of, of actually creating technologies to destroy human beings. The other, though, even the more gentle option what is humanity? I mean, human beings are free in their natural state. Human beings are capable. Human beings are beholden to one another, connected to one another in very organic ways. And human beings are also quite limited. And are you know, if they're wise, they're aware of those limitations. Transhumanism seeks to destroy everything we know as human, as Homo sapiens have been from the caves on up through the Industrial Revolution until now. And they see yeah. these transformations that we're already witnessing with digital technology, trans transitions from a sort of normal social environment to this hyper-digitized environment with social media and every other element. Yeah. And it, all, all the way through anything from romance to education to family life, 
All of this has already been radically transformed in the last, say, 10, 15 years. They want to see that push forward until most of what we know as recognizably human has either been eliminated because it was fallible, because it was not any good to begin with, evolution left us with it, or to augment it and perfect yeah. it okay. to it te- technologically Joe. until it's no longer recognizably, recognizably human. Let's go to Amazon and get the book right now. The book is Dark Aeon. Uh, Joe, thank you very much. Honored to have you on here. We'll make sure everybody gets a shot at getting the book. Thank you very much. Be back with Natalie Winters in a moment. When's the last time you checked the legal title to your home? Why? Because most victims of home title theft don't know they're a victim until it's too late. Like this homeowner. She pulled onto her street and saw a bulldozer demolishing her home. Her lifelong home was being torn down right before her eyes. She was the victim of a devastating crime called home title theft. A criminal had forged his way onto the deed to her home and sold it. Now the new owner was tearing it down for a rebuild. This is why I say, if you own a home or property, get home title lock. Your home, your property, and the equity in it are your most valuable assets. It's, it's estimated that 80 to 90% of the net worth of the average American is tied up in, the ho- in their home equity. And Home Title Lock helps you protect them. Home Title Lock puts a 24-7, 365-day-a-year shield around your home's title. The instant they detect activity or tampering, they help shut it down fast. First things first, you need to verify you aren't already the victim of home title theft. Find out for free with a sign-up when you use promo code Bannon at HomeTitleLock.com. That's promo code Bannon at HomeTitleLock.com. And when you sign up, your first 30 days of protection are free. Do this today at HomeTitleLock.com. Take action, action, action. HomeTitleLock.com. Promo code Bannon. Do it today. War Room. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Let me repeat this, uh, the artificial intelligence aspect, and that's just one part of transhumanism you're going to get in the book. The biotech part is just as scary, I think even scarier. And that's not getting a lot of uh, play now because you're you're not seeing a lot of what's coming out of these labs, but it's all about to hit. In that regard, I want to get to our next guest, of course, our top uh, investigative reporter, the executive editor, our co-host, she does the show a lot on her own, Natalie, but you're, but you're still one of the best reporters in this town. And talking about the, the bioweapon that dropped on us in 2020, um, Alex Jones and, and his guys kind of brought this up last week, but you went and found the receipts. Because I've seen now where I think the announcement Rutgers is going to require a mask and a jab. You've got uh, another, uh, I think in Hollywood, there's some certain theaters. You're starting to see this play up. Of All of a sudden, there's another variant to COVID, but you found the receipts. This article of yours is blowing up. Tell us what you found and what we should be prepared for since they're not going to be straightforward with you and tell you what they're planning on, but you can see it and where they're putting their money. Well, that's the important part. And when you link together the way the mainstream media has been covering really what is an abysmal uptick in COVID-19 cases, and you link it with the way that they're spinning it, they're automatically linking it to boosters and mandates. And they almost always end these little media segments uh, with the advice of make sure you wear a mask if you're at risk, older and going you know, into public settings. This really is the same refrain 
that we heard in the early days of COVID-19 all the way back in 2019 and, of course, the early days of 2020. And some people have still been peddling those falsehoods. But it's important, I think, as you said, to get the receipts on where exactly this narrative is careening towards. And obviously, this comes on the heels of the breaking report out of InfoWars from insiders at TSA and CBP saying that they want to uh, reinstitute lockdowns and mask mandates. Um, but what I found was really, really interesting. I always joke, I'm probably the only American who frequents not only the FARA website, but the federal government spending database and goes through it with a fine tooth comb. But it's so important to do that because that is really how I think you can use evidence to find where our global elite, where the ruling class in the United States is trying to go towards. And in the case of COVID-19, these new variants, which we've all been hearing about, I've already seen an uptick and multi-million dollar contracts coming particularly from the VA and also the Department of Defense uh, to various entities specifically for COVID-19 equipment, whether that's test kits. In some cases, they just refer to it broadly as equipment. But what I think the most interesting part is that a lot of these contracts have to do with hiring outside consultants and outside firms to help enforce what they refer to as COVID-19, quote, safety protocols. And what I really think the smoking gun is here is if you look at the dates, the timelines for when these grants and these contracts are expected to roll out, some of them aren't even starting, you know, just now, early August. They're set to start in September and October and in some cases run all the way, believe it or not, through 2028, that is the year 2028. And I think that this just goes to sort of what I was talking about in the beginning and even links to transhumanism, right? It's easy to focus uh, small scale just with the media narrative is this week about, you know, a surge in COVID cases, but you have to link it to the bigger narrative. And I think that that has to do with COVID-19 in part because Pfizer and Moderna's profits are down. Um, but also it links into the digital ID tracking, the vaccine passports, to really making COVID-19 uh, an annual vaccine that you have to get, an annual virus uh, that we have to deal with. So, Natalie, help me out here. Uh, I, I thought I thought the evidence came up in, 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 the, in the country, particularly you can see people not getting the jabs anymore, Moderna's profits, Pfizer profits falling to the floor. Hasn't the evidence, and we're always here to trust the science, hasn't the evidence been that safety protocols like mask mandates, the separate, all those safety protocols, including the mask, and even the questions of uh, the efficacy of the, of the additional jabs, hasn't that either all been proven either wrong or at least enough question that there's not enough uh, impetus or not enough intellectual backing to do this again? For, let's let's leave aside the fact you caught him in the act. But isn't that all been kind of like dismissed by the American people and particularly the even elements of the scientific community? Well, I think your your question presupposes that, you know, they instituted all of these mask mandates, the lockdowns, the vaccine mandates in the name of public health. Right. The experts were the experts in public health. Like I've said before, the only reason why people like Anthony Fauci were ever considered experts on COVID-19 is because they played such an intimate role in the creation of it by, of course, funding the Wuhan Institute of Virology. And in some ways, I think the fact that they are trying to institute all of these measures again, particularly the masks, particularly the boosters, really proves, I think, the original, the war room 
theory of the case, which is that it was never about public health. It was never about actually stopping the spread. It was always about using COVID-19, just like they want to use these other so-called crises like climate change uh, to enact a certain agenda, uh, to enact certain restrictions and curtail our liberties, our ability to be able to do certain things. Because you are right, the science really has, of course, disproven the efficacy of these methods for a very, very long time since the onset of COVID-19. And I think the best evidence, like I said, Steve, that it really is about control is that if you think about it, I would argue really the cardinal sin um, of the establishment during COVID when what really enraged people across the political spectrum, not, not just the war room posse, was the censorship of people who dared to speak out like me and you. And the fact that they weren't even willing to entertain discussions about the efficacy of the vaccines, the masks, you name it, shows that it never really was about how to save and protect and defend as many lives as possible. It was how to consolidate as much power in the quickest way possible. Natalie, since you said that some of these kind by the way, when you had Alex, when Alex Jones did it last week, you know, it's a conspiracy theory. Then Alex came on here and walked through all the whistleblowers. Now Natalie's gotten the receipts. When you say that these contracts started mid-September, some of them go all the way to 2028. I don't want to let House leadership off the hook. This whole big fight we're going to have on the on the appropriations bill. All of this could be taken out of if we had a House Republicans and leadership that had the stones to sit there and go, hold it, we're not going down this path again. And particularly, the constituents in our district are not going to pay for this madness again. They're not going to pay for their own enslavement. Should the House get all over top of this in this appropriations process, ma'am? I think there's no better and, frankly, more serious example of weaponized government spending and, frankly, federal government weaponization than what we see they did and will continue to do when it comes to COVID-19. So I think it's it's imperative that they cut down on the spending. And I have to say, Steve, I, as you know, obviously consume a lot of media, mainstream and otherwise. And the amount of House Republicans that I have seen go, particularly on Fox, to react to whether it's you know the latest Hunter Biden scandal. I think James Comer was talking about the appointment of the special counsel. And he's sitting there on Fox again, totally nice guy. But he goes, this is a joke. This is a joke. Dear House Republicans, this is not a joke when the federal government is using millions in taxpayer funds to start inking contracts with suppliers and federal grant recipients to quite literally be engaged in COVID-19 pandemic era protocols, whether it's lockdowns, mask mandates, testing through the year 2028. So I understand you have to get your strongly worded letters and tweet your crazy things out to go viral. But they are turning a blind eye to what I think is really in in the purest form of evidence, laying the groundwork in the form of COVID-19 test kits, masks, you name it, the protocols to really roll out what is another pandemic. And believe me, they know from the first time they gave us way too much freedom because we were over we were able to sort of overcome what I think their ultimate plan was for us. So believe me, the second time when they start rolling out these lockdowns, they are going to do so with an iron fist. Natalie, where do people uh, follow you on the site to get to our newsletter and to follow you on social media? I'm Natalie G. Winters on all platforms. I will be on Tim Pool tonight at 8 p.m. And uh, you can go to warroom.org and sign up for the newsletter. 
Okay, and we're not having. Uh, we are we sending security with you? We're not sending security. <laughs> we're, we're, I almost feel like we have to because I want to make sure we get you back. I'm not too sure about the Harper's Ferry situation. Just kidding. We love Tim Pool. We love when you're on there. You're going to be a regular. Yeah. You replaced Posovic. Poso, and Natalie. Thank you so much. Good luck tonight, Tim. Thank you. We love Tim Pool. Love the Tim Pool show. Um, let's play the cold open. We've got Nolan Chang is in uh, Maui for us. I want to play the cold open for Nolan, and they go right to Nolan Chang. Wow, he's finally here. Wow, yeah. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, thanks for nothing. Thanks for nothing. you. 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 We, we got much more of this, but it was it was humiliating. Nolan Chang, um, give me your assessment uh, first of, of, of Biden's uh, trip. Walk me through what actually happened yesterday, sir. Well, um, as you can see, he received a very warm reception. People were sharing their aloha with him. Uh, too bad you blocked out uh, their hands there. They're probably using this sign, right, for him. Um I don't think he was very well received. Um, look at how he responded to this whole situation. But 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 no, 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 Nolan, no, hang your But the people out there, these are generally very nice people, welcoming. I mean, it was pretty extraordinary for people mainlanders like myself. When I saw that, given my time at Pearl Harbor, my limited time there, but I was. I mean, Maui is not considered a hotbed of MAGA or ultra MAGA, and I'm telling you, brother, and I try to look as much footage as possible. That was not a warm welcome. People are incredibly, they're furious about what happened, sir. Definitely, definitely. So I was just kidding, right, about the hand gestures and whatnot. But yeah, oh yeah, it's very emotional. Why? Because he's not supporting us. Look at what he said when he was interviewed. Uh, no comment. How would you feel if, if your loved ones was in that fire and never came out of it, right? People who are close to you. It's a very emotional issue. They, they destroyed Lahaina. And he never gave us any support. And the people are, you know, I mean, you, you saw their reaction and they're very vocal. The Hawaiian people are very loving, very kind, very caring. That's what aloha is all about. But if you if you rub them the wrong way, if you don't respect them, if you don't if you don't reciprocate, if you don't show your love for them and all you do is disrespect them and and, and not support them. Right. I mean, this is how they're going to react. We're just human beings. This is exactly how they're going to react. And I tell you what. You thought Mauna Kea was a, was a sensitive issue, right? With everything that was happening up in that telescope, this is a thousand times more meaningful and more sensitive to the Hawaiian people. They're not going to let this die. This, this is serious. No, Nolan, can you hang on for a second? We're going to go to break, but I want to come back. One of the things that's most disturbing to me, it doesn't seem any organized effort to get to the bottom of what happened. There doesn't seem to, uh, an organized effort to get the information out about what happened in casualties. I mean, here on the in, in mainland, we're hearing as many as 1,300. They've already admitted 800 uh, missing people right now. We're hearing the majority of these could be children. So we're going to take a short break. We're going to come back. 
Uh, Nolan Chang is uh, is out in uh, Maui now. He's out there on assignment with us, uh, doing a terrific job. We're going to ask the questions that need to be answered about this horrific tragedy in Maui. Be back in a moment. Are you tired of progressive corporations and exhausted trying to keep up with all the virtue signaling when you're simply trying to buy products? Progressive corporate America continues to push messaging that further alienates conservative Americans all while eroding the future of the American dream. It's prominent all over the country. Companies like Starbucks strong-arming their customers to support abortion. Financial services like PayPal canceling customers for their political views. Makeup companies like Maybelline making a mockery of women by supporting transgender models. And beer companies like Bud Light forcing gender ideology on you when all you want is to enjoy a cold beer. Thankfully, we don't have to fund these companies any longer with our hard-earned dollars. With Public Square, we now have a solution. It's simple. Join the movement of millions of patriotic Americans who love truth, our country, and our Constitution at publicsq.com. That's publicsq.com. Public Square is an app and website where you can get connected to tens of thousands of businesses from all different industries that share your value for life, family, and freedom. Whether you're looking to buy coffee, find a new athletic clothing that knows what a woman is, and shop for clean skin care, or simply find a new restaurant in your community that won't lecture you about your political views, publicsq.com is your resource. Public Square also offers discounts to many high-quality businesses on the platform so that you can actually receive incentive for spending money with companies that don't hate you. Public Square is free to join as consumer or a business owner, and you can get started today at publicsq.com. Remember, either as a consumer or a business owner, download the app now. That's publicsq.com, publicsq.com. War Room. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. You know, yesterday was so embarrassing. Uh, it was it, I felt badly for the people in Maui because the lack of respect of the Biden regime. But politically, you can tell they're, they're going to move on from Biden. The, the, the kind of really for people that are so kind and, and, and so nice to have that kind of reaction, it just shows you how awful this regime is in showing the lack of respect to people. Breaking news. And we'll cover more of this tomorrow morning. But Paul, it's announced that Paul Ryan a board member of Fox is going to be in um, in Milwaukee uh, supporting Team DeSantis. So we'll get back into that tomorrow morning. We're not co- doing any coverage from Milwaukee. We're going to talk about the Murdoch's attempt to thwart President Trump. Nolan, the thing that is is terrible is that what are ha- what's happening to the people of of uh, that part of Maui, and particularly their 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 livelihoods, their their homes, the rebuilding to make sure these speculators can't come in. And buy it up. Who's accountable for this? What actually happened? Particularly, the missing. The bid in the ash right now is eight hundred. They, they admit to eight hundred people are saying there could be as many as thirteen hundred, and, and the majority of these may be children. 
Can you get us up to speed on anything that you know right now on any any of the situation, either in the investigation, the recovery of bodies, or what's going to happen with folks going forward? Yeah, it's going to take a little while to get specific information, but let me let me tell you this. I want people, I want the posse to think about this to answer your question, Steve. Uh, they may not know that our governor is the most powerful in the nation. Why? Because he selects all his cabinet, all of his cabinet, and a, a tier below that. So none of his cabinet members are elected by we the people. He selects them all. So he has a lot of power. And what I'm going to tell you is he can easily solve a lot of these problems. There's a lot of unanswered questions. There's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot. And, and, and what we need is closure right now. The Hawaiian people want closure. And so we talk about if you were the leader or the posse, if you were the governor of our state and you're the most powerful governor in the nation, no other governor has his, this kind, his kind of power. And Steve, you know that. And so what we want is you have to take care of, if you're the governor, you want to take care of your people. You want transparency and you want uh, accountability, right? And so as a governor, look at what you just said, Steve. You're right. I heard that 80% of the burn area has been covered, and they only identified 111 bodies. Well, if I was governor, possibly we were the governor, what we should do is let's go to the morgue. Let's find out exactly what the head count is. And I don't, I don't want to be insensitive. How many people have perished in this fire? How many are children? More importantly, how many are children? If you were a parent and you miss, you're missing a child in that fire, you want to know what happened, and you want to know where is, where, where is the remains? So if they went through 80% of that burn area and only, and only uncovered 111 bodies, I'm asking a lot of questions now. If we're the leader, if we're the governor, we want to be transparent, we will come up with all that information, and he's not. And he's sitting on a ticking time bomb right now. The longer he waits to give the people here in Hawaii that answer, the louder the explosion, the bigger the explosion is going to be if he waits and waits and waits and waits and doesn't tell anybody anything. So now you have this uh, emergency manager, right? A lot of people don't know that every year we... In Hawaii, we know that the hurricane season, not tsunami season, hurricane season runs from June through November every year. And June and July, the state comes out with all kinds of information preparing people for any kind of disaster. Not only a hurricane, any kind of disaster, hurricane, earthquake, tsunami, you name it. That we know that when that alarm goes off, the EBS goes off, something wrong is happening, right? In this case, it was a hurricane coming. So if the, if the EBS went off, that emergency manager said, oh, no, everybody was taught and trained that it's going to be a tsunami and we'll be running through the hills. No way. He's a dead, he's a liar. And everybody in Hawaii knows that. That's why we have no respect for him and we have no respect for the governor. We have no respect for the president because they all know the truth and they're withholding it from us. So now this emergency manager, if we were the governor possible, what would we do in this situation? We want transparency and we want closure. So we should put this guy, because we're the most powerful governor in this country, I don't want to. I don't want to go through the judicial system because that would take too long. But this manager should be put in a military tribunal, put him in a military tribunal, have his day in court, present all of the facts, right, to our the people in our state and to our nation and to the world, and let the military people, let the military tribunal come to a decision whether he's innocent or guilty. And the people will be happy with that. The question will be answered in a week. That trial will be over. Then you have this uh, water commissioner. Same thing. All of a sudden they took. The emergency manager out of, the, out of his position, they claim he was sick, but they're hiding him someplace. And this water commissioner, they've taken him out of his position, hiding him someplace. Well, you know what happens. A few months from now, they're probably going to move him up. They're going to promote him. What do they call that? The Peter principle, right? For all these clowns. Well, this person, we'll put him in a military, we were the governor, put him in a military court, have his day in trial, let him present himself as to why he withhold turning on that spigot for hours. I heard it was four to six hours. I heard different stories. Let him have his day in court. Let the military tribunal make a decision, right? 
innocent or guilty, and the people will be happy. It'll be over quick, three to five days, it's done. The indigenous people, what do they want? They want their privacy, right, right now. Imagine if your loved one, your whole town has been burned down, your loved one may be missing, and now you have nothing against the tourists. You have the tourists coming in, they're having fun, right, they're on vacation. So now they're in food land, and I'm one of the survivors or a relative of a survivor. You see them in food land, they're, they're having a good time, they're in, in, in a high spirits because they're on vacation. But how does that feel for the people here? So now we're the governor. The indigenous people are asking us, me, the governor, right? We don't want the tourists in this area, not the rest of the island, only this area. So as a governor, being the most powerful governor in the nation, what I would do is, hey, you know what? We can shut down Kaunapali, or maybe just leave it 20% open, right? 20% occupancy, shut it down. Oh, then everybody will say, well, you can't do that. You're gonna, it's going to explode, blow up the economy, right? All the hotels in that area, and a lot of them, they're going to go out of business. Well, what about jobs? Oh, remember, we're the most powerful governor in this country. We can easily shut down the rail, and all the people, local people know this. We'll shut down the rail. We'll take all the money from that rail project and siphon it right over here to help the people in Lanai. Right and help the hotels stay awake or stay stay afloat until the people heal. No, 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 heal. no, 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 no. And I could go on and no, on. We got to bounce. We're gonna have no, no. We're gonna have you back tomorrow. Right now, social media. How do people follow you, Nolan? Why are you there for us? Yeah, I'm on Getter, and uh, my username is Chanda Twenty One C H A N D A Twenty One C H A N D A Twenty One Chanda Twenty One. And thank you for having us on, Steve. Really appreciate it. The people love you. No. And we thank all the people out there who have donated to Lanai in from the, our country and the world. Thank you. By the way, keep doing a great job. This is this is an outrage. Let the folks know we're going to be there to get to the bottom of this, of what happened, uh, how it happened, who's responsible, and particularly uh, where these children are, where the, where the uh, either 800 dead or 1,300 dead, what happened to them, and they need to be honored. Nolan Chang. War Rooms Man on the Spot, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Okay, short commercial break. We're going to be back for the second hour. It's going to be explosive, so stick around here in the War Room. COVIDtaxrelief.org got a small retail business almost $80,000. COVIDtaxrelief.org got a manufacturing business nearly two hundred and fifty grand, And COVIDtaxrelief.org just got a large distribution business almost $900,000. If you run a business, church, or nonprofit and paid your employees through all or part of the pandemic, you could qualify for up to $26,000 per employee through the government's CARES Act. But beware of clickbait or pay upfront companies who make you do the work and take a huge percentage of your refund. COVIDtaxrelief.org receives a low reasonable commission only after you receive your refund. And with 300 CPAs and tax experts, no one is better at getting you the maximum benefit than COVIDtaxrelief.org. Visit COVIDtaxrelief.org now because this plan expires soon. That's COVIDtaxrelief.org, COVIDtaxrelief.org. 
The refund examples are not a guarantee and not all businesses qualify. That's why you have to check today with covidtaxrelief.org. Folks, let me tell you about Solti. It's a company that makes a soft gel supplement rich in antioxidants to help people like you and me keep a healthy heart. While COVID gets all the headlines, it's important to realize that heart disease kills nearly 700,000 Americans every year. Yes, heart disease is the number one killer every year, year in and year out. Heart disease builds over time. Hypertension, high blood pressure, bad cholesterol, diabetes, all of it affects our heart. A healthy heart is key to being energetic as we get older. It is never too early to take care of your heart. You see, heart disease sneaks up on us. You can start in your 30s, and when this happens, you're at serious risk by the time you turn 60. If you want to take care of your heart and those you care about, please go to warroomhealth.com. That's warroomhealth.com. All one word, warroomhealth.com. Use the code WARROOM at checkout to save 67% of your first shipment. That's code WARROOM at checkout to save 67%. And do it again. WARROOMHEALTH, all one word, WARROOMHEALTH.COM. Go there today. You need, if you're going to be part of the posse, you need a strong heart. You need a lion's heart. How we're going to do that is with Salty. Go there, do it today. Check it out. 